Amen. Amen. It is good to be able to worship the Lord this morning together. We have been going through the series called Disciple You, and we're looking at what it means to be a disciple. What does the Lord expect of us? How does He enable us to be a disciple? Look at several topics along the journey here. Today we're looking at the characteristic. The characteristic. My father-in-law years ago somehow got a hold of some mules. And he trained those mules to jump. When he went to be with the Lord, my son, glory to God, inherited those mules. So he has these mules that are jumping mules. In case you don't know what a jumping mule is, it's a mule that jumps. All right? So they have these competitions that there's a bar, like a beam. They walk the mule up to this beam. So two pieces of wood this way, one this way. Walks up to it, comes to a standstill, jumps over. Okay? And there's a competition, and they, so what they do is they then raise the beam higher and um, see how the mule does. Yesterday, Christopher, my son, took those two mules to Ferrum College. And would you believe that both of those mules that he has are first place winners of the jumping mules of Ferrum College? And the blue ribbons with the mules behind him, I told Angie, I said, send him a text and ask him just how many mules were in this competition. <laughs> well, you, you'd be happy to know that there were actually seven mules, so they really did win fair and square. Interesting thing, interesting thing about these mules is when they, uh, they, they love attention. These mules love attention. When, first got, when Christopher first got these mules... Um, they would not jump for him. At least one would not jump for him. But, his, but my father-in-law had told Christopher that, don't worry, that uh, when you get him in front of a crowd, he will jump. And so Christopher didn't believe that until he took him to his first jump a few years ago. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. The one that would not jump, jumped because all the people were watching and were applauding and it jumped. And so now, they, now he too is a first place jumping mule. Well, I really do have a point in this, and that is that these mules have the characteristic of being jumping mules. Now, they really have no other purpose except to be jumping mules, except they eat a lot out of the pasture and what have you, and they jump. But when you think about jumping mules, that's their characteristic. They're jumping mules. Now, as we come bring that in just a little bit, do we think about being disciples? No, I'm not going to compare us to mules. But I will say this, as we think about the characteristic of disciples, there should be some characteristic that we could point to as disciples and say, there, there, there is a disciple when you see this characteristic. And we're going to look at that today. So here is what the question is for you today is, and what I'd like for you to do is to right now in your mind, think, think of someone that you know who really loves Jesus. In your mind, think of somebody that you know who really loves Jesus and really loves other people unconditionally. So in your mind, 
a person hopefully comes to your mind. Now, here's my question. Did anyone think of you? Did anybody think of you just now as that person who really loves Jesus and who really loves other people unconditionally? That's the characteristic that characterizes you as a disciple. Well, today, we see that Christians, for Christians, love is a key characteristic. Love for Jesus, love for each other. And so we're going to look at a couple of different passages and see what God's Word teaches us about being a disciple and about loving other people. So, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you would stand as I read for us today, two places, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, looking at verses 34 and 35, and then we're going to skip over to the letter of John, 1 John, chapter 4, reading verses 7 through 21. First off, in the Gospel of John, John 13, 34, 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And you skip over to the book of 1 John, chapter 4, picking up at verse 7, reading to the end of the chapter. He says, John says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word and how it speaks to us. It even convicts us. And God, I pray that you would challenge us by your word and by your spirits moving in our hearts and lives. And Lord, that we would have our eyes open to what we need to hear and understand. Indeed, Lord, we pray that if there are those here today who don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that you would use the message about this love that comes only from you to stir us, Lord, to salvation. To come to people to come to know you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. But also, Father, as we have assembled together here today, may you stir us up for love and good works. 
Lord, that we'll know that you have been here, that you are in our midst, that you are working and drawing us to the place where we need to be in our walk with you as disciples. Lord, we pray that you'd have your way in every heart and every life. Lord, I yield this time to you. May your word not return unto you void. May it have its way in our lives. May it pierce us through and speak to us in powerful and profound ways. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in us and in me, the messenger. I pray that may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you see the outline uh, in the bull today, we're going to follow along so you can fill in these blanks as we move along uh, in the message this morning. But we're looking at this characteristic of love. And the first thing that we want to see here is the characteristic of love is, first off, it is required. This characteristic that is in us as disciples that we see here from the Lord Jesus and from the reading of the word even in First John is that it is required of us to love one another. It is required of us as disciples. And Jesus said in John chapter 13, and if you remember last week, we, we saw in the first part of John chapter 13 where Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, even these who would betray him, these who would deny him, these who would run from him as he faces the cross. It's in this same chapter he now comes and he talks about this new commandment here in verse 34 and 35 where he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, this love, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We find in the passage of Scripture here and also in 1 John, as we'll see in a minute, that this is a commandment. Jesus says that this is a commandment, a new commandment I give you. It's a commandment that means that there's no wiggle room here, okay? That means that you must, we as disciples must love one another. It's not It's suggested that we do this. It's not that, you know, he is saying, you know, you really should do this. And it's not that it would be nice if you would do this. No, he is saying you must do this as a disciple. Amen? Y'all with me? All right, so it is a requirement of us as disciples that we are to love one another. Now, notice here in verse 34 that Jesus says that this is a new commandment. Now, what's so new about this commandment? What, what's so new about this? Well, because we, in the Old Testament, we already are taught to love the Lord with all of our hearts. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, it says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We also know in the Old Testament, as we receive the, the Ten Commandments, the second half of those Ten Commandments really deal with loving your neighbor as yourself, as it tells us how we're to honor our parents and not to murder your neighbor, not to commit adultery, not to steal, not to bear false witness or covet. These are things that are loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and Jesus had even taught also, as we think about what's so new about this, Jesus had even taught to love your enemies. So what here is new? This new commandment. Well, here's what's so new. That Jesus says, I, this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you. 
that you also love one another. That's what's so new. That we are to love like Jesus. To love like Jesus. This is a, a new love. This is a dramatic love. This is a revolutionary love. It's a love that is an unconditional love for one another. It is a self-sacrificing love for each other as Jesus loves us. That's what's so new here. And you move over to 1 John chapter 4 and verse uh, 7 We see that John writes here, Beloved, let us love one another. It's the same word that Jesus used over in John chapter 13. That word love, agape, it's the same word in the Greek. And then if you look in 1 John 4 again, at the end of the chapter, verse 21, watch this. Here it is again. And this, what's this? A commandment we have from him, who is Jesus, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So this love is the love of Jesus, this requirement that we have as disciples. The characteristic of love that we are to have as disciples is a requirement for us. We must love unconditionally. It is an unconditional love, a self-sacrificing love, and it must, listen, it must be a characteristic in disciples of Jesus Christ. It is commanded It is required. Amen? It's a must. It is also not only required, it is revealed. And it's revealed, the letter A there you see under that blank, is revealed in us. It's revealed in us. This love that that we see here that is called upon us to have, it is revealed in us. Well, let's look at who the us is here. In verse, 1 John 4 again, the latter part of verse 7 and verse 8, let's just start at the beginning. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He is telling us here that as disciples, as believers, real love is revealed in us as these disciples. Real love is revealed in us as believers. He says here, for love is of God. Let us love one another, for love is of God. That means that this of God, this love that he's talking about here, is of God. And that means it flows from God. This unconditional love, this self-sacrificial love, it is a love that flows from God. It does not come from you. It does not come from you. There's nothing within you that can manufacture this kind of love. It is a love that flows from God. It is the nature of God to love this way. It flows from him. So for love is of God and everyone who loves, watch this, everyone who loves this way is born of God. Meaning that you are born again. It's the second birth. So you are a child of God, being born of God. You have this love of God that flows from him. And not only that, is born of God and knows God. So for the, to love one another, this love is of God, flows from him. Everyone who loves this way is born again, born of God, and knows God. This knowing is not just knowing about him, it's knowing him. It's knowing him personally. It's having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You are able to love as you have this intimate relationship with him. 
It comes from that personal experience. So this kind of love, loving others unconditionally, only comes as we are right with holy God. It comes from him. And notice verse 8. He who does not love, well, he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. John had said this earlier in his letter in 1 John 3. In verse 14, he said, we know, watch this, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And in verse 23 of 1 John 3, he says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And so this characteristic of love is revealed in us as believers, as disciples. Only, listen, only those who are born of God and who know him know how to love. Love is the central characteristic of those who are truly born again. You cannot order somebody to love, right? You cannot do that. Now, it is a commandment here. It's a must for us, and we can choose to love, but this kind of love comes only from the Lord, and it is revealed in us as disciples. It comes from being born of God and knowing God. Listen, since God's nature exhibits love as a characteristic within God himself, as God himself, it should also be in his children as well. Wearsby in his commentary says, Just as a compass naturally points north, a disciple or believer will naturally practice love because love is the nature of God. And as we're his children, we're going to exhibit that, that nature. We're going to exhibit that in us to love. But we can even take that a little bit further, a step further, in that a compass, when we're thinking about a compass naturally pointing north, we understand also that a compass will point north because that is what the compass was created to do, right? And beloved, we will exhibit the nature of our creator to love others unconditionally because that is what we are created to do. But here's the thing, even though we were created to love the Lord and to walk with him and to love each other unconditionally, something happened many, many, many years ago in a place called the garden. Before then, there was this unconditional love. There was this relationship with God. That type of love was for the Lord God and for each other was broken when sin came into the world. But what we also know is that Jesus has made the way for that brokenness to be restored at the cross of Calvary. And so those who have been born again and who know him as Savior will love as we were created to do as we have that relationship restored with our creator. Okay, pastor, I got that. That's good. But, but what about those people who do good deeds who are not believers. They say they love folks, but uh, what, what's really going on? Do they really love genuinely? Do they really love genuinely? People who are not believers. Well, listen, people are, are doing some great things across our world today, and we're grateful for them doing those things. But those who are not believers, while they are doing their good deeds, they may love their cause. 
They may love their job. They may love what they gain, how they feel, the good feeling they receive from what they're doing. They may love that they gain recognition in society, or they may love that they gain the hope of having enough good deeds to get into heaven one day. Maybe that's what they love. But brothers and sisters, listen, that is not why we love. We do not, listen, we do not love because of what we hope to gain. We love because of what we already have. Amen? And what we already have is a relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has changed me and transformed me and now lives within me and I've been born again and I know him as Savior Lord and his love is now revealed in me as a believer and as a disciple. That's how we're able to love. That's why we love and how we are, his love is revealed in us. But then also we see not only that this characteristic of love is revealed in us, it's also revealed to us. Look at verses 9 and 10. He says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In verse 9, he says, this is the love of God that was manifested toward us. That manifested toward us means expressed among us. The word manifested means to come out in the open. This, the love of God here is, is, has been made public, is what he's saying here. This love of God is out in the open now. It's been manifested. It's been expressed. It's the opposite of to hide or to make secret. It's not a secret as to what God's love looks like. It's been manifested. It's been expressed among us. It's been made public. So, and here he shows us, here is how the love of God has been expressed to us. How it's been brought out into the public. And here it is, in that God sent his only unique son into the world that we might live through him. That is how God has made his love known to mankind. That's how God has made his love known to us. And that he has sent Jesus, his son, into this world so that we might live through him. And notice in verse 10, it says that in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. You see, this, all this love of God was not done because, this is what Jesus did here, was not done because of man's love for God. No. But God's love for man. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Then he says sent his son, loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The what? What is, the propi- what is that, pastor? Propitiation. Well, it is a big word, but let me help you with that. The word means propitiation is the appeasement to appease God's wrath. The appeasement of God's wrath. Or also, it means the satisfaction of of God's demands for sin. So what we find here is that Jesus, who was sent by God, sent his son to be the propitiation, is that Jesus' death, his blood, satisfied the demands of God's holy justice and wrath. 
You see, friends, we are sinners and we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve his justice. We deserve his wrath. But Jesus' death on the cross appeased the wrath of God over me, the, the wrath that I deserved, Jesus took care of that. Jesus appeased God's wrath that I deserved. Jesus' blood sacrifice satisfied the justice that was required that should have been mine. I deserve to spend eternity in hell because I am a sinner, as we all are. But Jesus going to the cross, his sacrifice satisfied the justice, appeased the wrath, that which we deserve, that which should have been ours, Jesus took in our place. Because of our sin, listen, because of our sin, we are separated from God. And because of that, we have the death penalty hanging over us and we are under the wrath of God. We all deserve hell. All of us. You see, we could never ever be good enough. We could never be perfect enough, never holy enough to change that. We can never be holy enough to enter into the holy of holies and be in the presence of God. Ever. Even one small white lie is enough to separate us from a holy God because sin separates us and condemns us to hell in which we deserve. Boy, that's sad news, isn't it? If it only ended there, it would be really sad news. But God. But God. But God, as we see here, sent his only unique son so that we might live through him. To have this life. God did that for us. We didn't love God and he then came around and did that for us. No, he loved us first and sent his son to be that propitiation, to be that atoning sacrifice, to be that blood sacrifice, to be that appeasement of his wrath, to be that satisfaction of what I deserve, that justice. Why in the world would God do something like that? It's because of the love of God for us. The love of God. So as we find here in this passage of Scripture, this characteristic that is to be ours as disciples to love one another, we find then John puts in there, and right in the middle of this in verses 9 and 10, talking about what God has done for us. Now listen, friends, let's not gloss over this. Amen? Amen. Let's not gloss over this. Let's not just speed past these words in verses 9 and 10. Let's not look at these words as we're reading through this passage as sometimes we will do and say, oh yeah, I, 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 know, I know all about that, and, yeah, and, and then just keep moving along. No, friends, listen, the Holy Spirit inspired John to write these words right here for a reason. And so he's, he's telling us that we're to love one another because love is of God and, those, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And if you don't love, you don't know God, God's love. Why does he put it here? It's so that we can be reminded of God's love for us. Let's see the love of God revealed to us. Let's see again as we come to those verses. Let's see again how God revealed his grace to us. Let's see again how beautiful this blessing is. Let's see again how stunning this sacrifice is. It is the love of God. Y'all with me? It's the love of God. 
You see, we, as we think about the love of God, as we come to passages like this, we should not gloss over it is the love of God. We stand in wonder at how wonderful it is. We stand in awe at how amazing it is. We stand in astonishment at how astounding it is. It is the love of God. You see, there is nothing that can exceed its excellence. There is nothing that points to a more beautiful portrait. There is nothing that moves us more. There is nothing that compels us with a greater compassion for the lost. It is the love of God that has been revealed to us. It is what stirs us towards serving. It is what increases our investment of time with him. It is what motivates us to ministry. It is what assures us of his awareness. It is what drives us to devotion. It is what livens us to love. It is the love of God. It washes over us and it causes us to worship. It lifts us, friends, when we are lethargic. It awakens us when we are apathetic. It revives us when we are run down. And it woos us when we are weak. It is the love of God for us. It straightens, listen, it straightens our stride when we think about straying. It returns our focus when we need refreshing in our faith. It quiets our hearts when we are questioning his hand. And it's what calms us when life is careening out of control. It is the love of God. Amen? Here we are reminded of God's love that is revealed to us. And if we are to love one another, we must, we must, we must remember how we have been loved by God. In this, in this, the love of God was manifested, expressed toward us. That God sent his son, his only begotten son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He took my place. He took my place. This week I was reminded that it is good To proclaim the gospel every day. To proclaim that gospel to other people. Yes. But also. To proclaim the gospel to yourself. Every day. Every day friends. Let us preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself and thank the Lord that Jesus, Lord, as we're reminded how Jesus left the splendor and the glory of heaven and how he came upon this earth and lived a sinless life and he took my sin upon the cross of Calvary, appeasing God's wrath that I deserved, satisfying the justice that I should have had and he went to the cross taking my sin upon himself and died for me, was buried but rose again bodily from the grave, assuring victory. How he ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit and how he is coming again. Friends, we should preach the gospel daily, but preach it to ourselves first. Amen. Amen. Let us not forget the love of God. We see this characteristic of love that's been revealed in us and revealed to us. And it is also revealed, thirdly, through us. Following on the reminder of God's love revealed to us, we find these words in verse 11. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. The wording there really should read, Beloved, if God loved us so. If God loved us so, we also ought to love one another. If God loved us so that he would send his son to be this atoning sacrifice for us, then we also ought to love one another. The word ought really is a financial term, meaning a debt being paid. And so if he loves us so, then we owe it to love one another. Y'all with me? We owe it to love one another. God's love of his people forms the basis of our love for each other. His love is revealed through us. And as a matter of fact, as we love each other, he is revealed through us. You look at verse 12. John says, he just says, beloved of God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. We kind of look at that. That looks a little out of place. I mean, we talk about love here. Why is it, why are we saying here, no one has seen God at any time? But as we find here, as we follow through with the rest of these scriptures, we find that as this verse shows, as we live out this loving one another, people will see him in us and through us. You see, God is made visible to the world around us through his people as we love one another. I'm sure you probably have heard people say, you know, uh, I mean, your faith sounds pretty interesting. But, you know, in reality, if only we could just see God. If he would just open up the heaven, let us just see him. Or if he would somehow just reveal himself to me somehow, some way, then I would believe in your God. Well, here's the truth of the matter, friends. God does reveal himself as he abides in us. And as he abides in us, his love has been perfected in us, and we are revealing him to the world as we have love for one another. As we love each other, the world sees and knows that we are his disciples. He is revealing himself through us. One commentator was writing this as I read this week that he wrote, he said, he reveals himself through the lives of his children. Men cannot see God, but they can see us. If, they, uh, if we abide in Christ, we will love one another, and our love for one another will reveal God's love to a needy world. God's love will be experienced in us, and then will be expressed through us. When you look at verses 13 through 16, we see these words. It's by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love and who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You know, as we look at those few verses there, besides the word love that's often spoken there, we find the little word abide. It's used five or six times. And the word abide means a personal fellowship with Jesus Christ. To abide in Christ means to remain in that spiritual oneness with him. This abiding is made possible by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who is within us as children of God. The Holy Spirit lives within us if we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? Y'all with me? The Holy Spirit dwells within us who are children of God, who are disciples. 
You know, think about that. Oh, the wonder and the privilege of having God abide in us. You think about in the Old Testament, the Israelite would look with absolute wonder at the tabernacle or at the temple because it was there that the presence of God was in that building. But now, friends, we have the Spirit of God living in us. We abide in this love and we experience the abiding of God in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And he says, and with the Holy Spirit, look, at, look with the Holy Spirit who is living within us, then we are able now, we are enabled by God to produce the love for, of God for one another. Just when we just think, you know, okay, well, this all sounds good, but I just don't know that I can do that. Well, you can't. It's the Holy Spirit who does it in you. Amen? He's the one who enables you to love one another. As a matter of fact, in Galatians 5.22 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. His love is revealed through us, and He is revealed through us. And all will know, Jesus said in John 13, all will know that we're His disciples as we have love for one another. So this characteristic of love is required of disciples. It's revealed in us because we're believers to us as God sent his son and through us as we abide in him by the Holy Spirit. And then we see, thirdly, the characteristic of love is a reality. In other words, here's what I mean by that. We can know, we can know, we can know that our relationship with the Lord is real if we have this love. Y'all with me? We have this love, we can know this relationship is real. As we practice love for others, it is proof that we are born again believers, that we are true disciples. If you notice back in verse 13, he says, by this we know, talking about this love, by this we know, we have this, that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. By this we know, we can know that we abide in him and he in us. We can know that. Verse 17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. What's this he's talking about? This love has been perfected among us. Well, when we know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then we have this love that's been perfected between us and God. We are now perfected and we're complete in him. And so, and so as because of that, we have this boldness, we have this confidence, we have this assurance in the day of judgment. If we have this love that God has given us because we abide in him, the Holy Spirit's with us, then friends, we can have confidence and assurance and know that we have nothing to fear when death comes our way. Because we're living this out. This is a characteristic of who we are that doesn't come from us, it comes from God. So this love has been perfected in us. And it tells us because as he is, so we're in this world. We are acting as Jesus is. We have his kind of love. We have, we're acting like him. Loving unconditionally, self-sacrificially. And because of that, we have this boldness, this confidence, and this assurance. You can't do that in the natural man. It comes from God. If we have this love toward our, uh, toward our brothers, then we have this confidence and we can have this assurance that when we face Jesus, we have nothing to fear. Because even in this world, we're being like him. In verse 18, he says, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. 
We have nothing to be afraid of when we know Jesus Christ as as Lord and Savior. This perfect love that we have, well, it casts out fear. The word cast out means turns out of doors. It's a strong expression. It means just like you would kick a stranger out of your house who doesn't belong there. It's a strong kicking out, casting out. So if we are loving as he has taught us and enabled us, then we can know that we belong to him. And so any fear of death or facing him in judgment can be cast out, right? There's no need to fear because we know because of the love that we have, it's a reality. Verse 19, he says, we love him because he first loved us. There's many translations that drop the word him there. We love and, and say we love because he first loved us. But I think that it could be we love him because I think it, not, it includes that plus other things. We love him because he first loved us. We love others because he first loved us. We love our enemies because he first loved us. We love the brethren because he first loved us. We love our neighbors because he first loved us. We love the people who are hard to love. Amen? Because he first loved us. It is all generated. This love for others is generated by the love of God that is in us. Listen, how, how could someone receive the transformed life through Jesus and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and not love? You see, a person saved because of love and indwelled with love and abiding in love must love. Verses 20 and 21, watch this. If someone says that I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? A what? A liar. Doesn't say if he says he hates his brother, but God knows the heart, right? If he says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. You see, what we have there in just those two verses, it's a warning against pretending. Right? It's a warning against pretending. Now, you know what? Pretending is fun for kids. In just a couple of days, they're going to do a whole lot of pretending going on, right? A whole lot of pretending, a lot of costumes and, you know, superheroes and all kinds of things that are going to come across this campus. Kids pretending. And that's great. We look forward to that. But listen, friends, but for believers, we cannot pretend at being disciples. We cannot pretend at being a disciple because love is a valid test of the Christian faith. And so the question for us then should be, is discipleship for us, is discipleship for you, is it a role you play or is it a reality? That's the question. Are you living a lie or do you genuinely, do you genuinely love one another unconditionally? To really love others. You must be born again and know him and love him. I love what John Piper once said. One of the questions he asked is, are we really in love with Jesus or just the stuff he offers? Well, that's a piercing question, isn't it? 
Are we really in love with Jesus? Or are we really in love with just the stuff that he offers? Is that relationship with Jesus real? Is it evidence in our lives as we love as he loves? You say that you are a disciple. Is it a reality? So this characteristic of love, to recap, is required of us. It's a must. It's commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be in us as disciples. It is revealed in us. It is revealed to us. It is revealed through us. And it is a reality concerning us as his disciples. Okay, class, here are your assignments. Y'all ready for your assignment? Good. Know, be, and do. Know. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to cling to. This is what should always be on your mind. This is what you should, should know always as the takeaway that you should never forget. You should know the love of God for you. Know that. Know that God loves you and proclaim the gospel to yourself every day. Being reminded of this great love that God has for you. Know the love of God. Be. What do we need to be? We can be confident of our salvation. Be confident. Have the assurance in your salvation as you are enabled to love unconditionally by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you. That's not to say it's always easy, but as you're able to love unconditionally, you can have confidence, you can be confident that you are a child of God and know that this salvation is a reality. Amen? Amen. Know the love of God for you. Proclaim the gospel to yourself daily. Be confident of your salvation and then do. This is a given, right? Just do this. Love one another. Just do it. Just do it. As disciples, we are enabled to do this by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Just do it. Love one another. But pastor... I don't want to love that person. I don't want to love that group of people. I don't want to love those folks. Well, here's what I need to say to you, all right? Number one, if that's your heart, search your heart and ask, are you really a disciple of Jesus Christ? That'd be the first thing. The second thing I would say to you is to pray and to pray for the want to. You might say, I don't want to. So what you need to do is you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know what I need to do, but I really don't want to. But Lord, give me the want to. Amen. Pray for the want to. Pray for the ability to love unconditionally these people because God will give you what you need because the Holy Spirit's already there in your life as a disciple. Pray for the ability and pray for that person or that group of people.
pray for them. Love one another. There may need to be some forgiveness, some asking forgiveness, some receiving forgiveness. But brothers and sisters, this is a characteristic of us who are disciples. Love Jesus with all your heart and love one another. And the next time someone asks the question, when we think of someone who really loves Jesus and really loves other people unconditionally, I pray to God that that someone they think of is you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how it speaks to us, how it challenges us. And Lord, we want you to have your way in us that we would let the whole world know that we belong to Jesus as, and that we are your disciples as they see your love in us for other people. Lord, I pray that you would stir us up to make decisions of commitment, to surrender our very lives to you this morning, to say, I want to be that kind of disciple, that that is the characteristic of my life, that I love Jesus with all my heart and that I love others as you have taught us this new commandment. God, I pray that you would be with us today. If there are those here who don't know Jesus, and Lord, if they would, today they would say yes to the Lord Jesus, recognizing that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We'll turn from our sin and turn to you, Lord Jesus, in humble repentance, embracing, believing with all of our heart that you are the Son of God who died for us and rose again bodily from the grave and professing you, Lord, as Savior of their life. I pray that this would be that moment where they make that step of faith for those who've never trusted you. But also, Father, we pray that you'd be with those of us who know you as Savior. That, Lord, you would guide us and direct us to to hear the, the leaning of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts, to know where we fail at loving as you, you have taught us, whether that's in our family, whether that's at our work, whether that's in the marketplace, wherever that may be. Lord, may you guide us to be the disciples, not just on Sunday, but every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, until you call us home and we'll see you face to face. So, Lord, have your way in us as we come now. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory as you've worked in our hearts and lives. And we've known that we have been in the presence of Almighty God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to our invitation, Pastor Joe's here. I'll be here. Either one of us will be glad to pray with you as God's dealt with your heart this morning. Or if you just want to come and pray silently, whatever the Lord's dealing with you about, you come as we sing together.